Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back into the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, episode number 30. And my guest on episode number 30 is Lainey Rowell. Now, who is Lainey Rowell? I'm so glad you asked. Lainey is an educator, an international consultant, a podcaster, and a TEDx speaker. She is the lead author of Evolving Learner and a contributing author of Because of a Teacher. Her latest book, Evolving with Gratitude, was just released, and I got to tell you folks, it's fantastic. She is an experienced teacher and district leader. Her expertise includes learner-driven design, community building, online and blended learning, and professional learning. Lainey Rowell is an absolute rock star educator, and I cannot wait for you to have an opportunity to dive into this conversation. But first, a very quick word from Road to Awesome. You're going to hear Lainey Rowell today in the episode talk about professional learning and how it can be differentiated and how we can meet our educators exactly where they are, just like we ask them to do for our students. Well, I'm going to tell you at Road to Awesome, that's what we want to do with our leaders. Professional learning for leaders is just as important as professional learning for our educators. Professional learning as a principal, as an assistant principal, as a district level leader is critical to you being the most effective leader that you can be. Here at Road to Awesome, all the work we do with leaders is about tailoring it specifically to where you are, to what you need, and how we can best support you to walk in purpose, to meet the needs of those you lead and to be very successful and honestly, to find the joy in the job. Reach out, have a conversation with us. Everything you need is in the show notes. Road to Awesome is the place for professional learning for today's hardworking leaders. Now, on to today's show, a great conversation with Lainey Rowell. I'll see you on the other side. All right, Lainey, thank you so much for joining me on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Um, I've really been looking forward to this conversation. Um, like we were talking before we hit the record button, it seems like we've known each other for quite some time, but this is our first like actual conversation together. So again, thanks for joining me. I am so happy and honored to be here. And yes, been looking forward to it ever since I knew I was going to get this opportunity to chat with you and just super excited for this conversation. Yeah, excellent. Well, likewise, likewise. Um, so just just really quick, let's let's get this out of the way. You know, for for my listeners who maybe don't know who who Lainey is, come on, folks, everybody does, right? But if you don't, just really quick, Lainey, let them know who are you. Sure. So I am first, foremost, and forever an educator and a parent and. I am evolving in lots of different ways, and that's a theme throughout both of my books um, because I'm an author as well. I'm also a podcaster, and I have the just great fortune that I get to travel around um, not only this country, but even the world as an international speaker. And I just, I love what I get to do because I still get to connect with kids, but I also get to connect with educators, and I'm just very privileged uh, to have these opportunities. 
So let's let's go just a little bit deeper there. So so first and foremost, an educator. I love that me, myself as well. Um, I was on another person's podcast just the other day, and they asked me this question. It's one of my favorite questions. So I want to ask you just to give our listeners a little more background, um, real quick. Talk about your origin story. I mean, how okay. how did you become an educator? Well, that, I do actually love answering this question. So thank you for, for pushing me to go a little deeper. I was actually a psychology major at San Diego State. And part of the reason was because I felt like I had to go to college. And psychology at San Diego State was a fun and easy to graduate degree. <laughs> I actually was able to graduate San Diego in four, four years, which was unheard of at the time. But that also included me doing every summer school and winter session I could do. But it ended up being the greatest gift of all to choose psychology. I was definitely interested in psychology. Don't get me wrong. That was that was an intentional choice. But one of the most beautiful things happened in my life because of that was that I, as a psych major, you need to do field hours where you go out and you do something either at a school or a hospital or somewhere where you're going to interact with, with people. And I chose to work at a school and it, it was at a non-public school and I was working with a child with special needs was my primary focus. And I really just fell in love with working with kids and decided to become a teacher. And I feel like it was definitely a uh, changing lanes without a turn signal kind of move because I definitely think it shocked my family. They're like, um, we had to bribe you to get decent enough grades to get into college. So what is this about? And, and that was, it was just that I really wanted to work with kids. I wanted to make a difference and Ultimately, you can see this through line in my entire education, everything I've done. Um, I was an elementary teacher. I taught kinder first, second, and sixth grade, and not in that order. I went from kinder to sixth down to first, looped a group to open a brand new school in second grade, had lots of really great experiences, always super focused on how do I create a positive classroom culture? How do I meet the needs of all learners? And then there's been different areas that I have kind of taken deeper dives into to find those ways to create the positive culture, to have an opportunity to meet the needs of all learners and make sure we're amplifying the voices of everyone. And so, you know, I got really involved in innovative ways to use technology in the classroom to make sure we're meeting the needs of all kids. Um, I was really, really focused on, like I said, classroom culture. How do I make a positive classroom culture, class meetings and all these kinds of things. And so, that kind of led me to where I am today with, you know, talking about inquiry-based learning and professional learning and gratitude. They they actually all come together. It's kind of crazy, but they do. <laughs> oh, they absolutely do. Yeah. It, it's interesting uh, listening to your story and, you know, thinking about, you know, the answer that I gave a couple of days ago and, and so many people. Actually, this is one of the things I do when, when I do like a workshop, not a keynote, but like a workshop. One of the things I want to do is get everybody up and moving and thinking about yeah. their origin stories because we, we can work in a school of 60 people or 200 people or, or 500 people or whatever, no matter how big the school might be or the district might be. And we don't know those origin stories mm -hmm. that, you know, what is it that brought this person to education versus this person versus this one? I mean, not not everybody, you know, as kids, you know, 
lined up their their dolls and said we're going to play school when they got home from school there are some who do that and i'm not saying that's wrong it's not but very few of us i think actually got there that way so it's always interesting to hear that but the commonality that you always hear in that answer is kids you know you went right to it viewers you can't see laney like, like like i can because we can actually see each other on the recording but um as soon as you started talking about kids, you just, you just lit up. Yeah. <laughs> but, I awesome. mean, that's it. That's it for me. Like I love, I just love, I mean, such a gift, our profession, this impact that we get to have on these just amazing kids. I, I often say like, I think kids are our most precious, our most precious, abundant, yet underutilized resource in education. You know, we, we need to really see how can we just, really personalize their learning? How can we build those relationships? How can we have these learning experiences as a community? And that's just, that's just what I really fell in love with. It, it wasn't necessarily, like you said, it wasn't me thinking like, I love school. Like, man, if I could have just stayed in sixth grade for the rest of my life, I would have. Or if I could have just relived that junior year of high school, you know, a dozen more times. No, like every year I was really happy to be progressing out of school. And so it's just kind of funny that where I am now, 25 years in education as an educator, plus all the schooling I went to, it's been my whole life pretty much. And, um, and I'm just, it's, it's about the relationships and about what we can accomplish together to keep learning and keep improving. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I have to ask them. Then, I, then I want to jump into. I want to jump into evolving with uh, with gratitude. I want to talk about the evolving learner book. Um, there's so much that that I want to ask you about, but I, I want to just. I just want to stay on this for just a second. But now leap it into you now being an international speaker, being a consultant. Um, you know, uh, just over a year ago. I made that leap, leaving public education after 26 years into now being an entrepreneur and running my own business and living the vertical line that is the learning curve of how to run a business when you never went to business school. But my my questions aren't necessarily around the entrepreneur piece. I mean, take it and run where you want to go. But for me, like my biggest challenge, um, in addition to learning how to run a business, was for my entire life, what you just said. My entire life, I've gone to school. I went to school as a student. I went to school in college. Then I go back to school as a teacher. Then as a you know AP principal, superintendent, all of that. I'm still struggling to understand that the that the calendar is actually January to December and not July to June. So, <laughs> aside yep. from that one, because I just took that one. What what were like your biggest challenges as you and you can keep that one if you want to use it. Yeah, that's fine. But what were like your biggest challenges when you left, if you will, public education to now do what you do, still involved, yeah. obviously, with public ed. Yeah. I, you know, I, I want to just do a quick shout out to my district because I don't, if it hadn't happened the way it did, which was there was going to be some shifting around and it was a time when they had to do huge cuts with uh, teachers. They were going to, ha- they like, whatever that pink slipped, you know, a ton of teachers and it just so happened that Apple had reached out to me and asked me to be a part of their consulting team. And I said, 
Yes, but I don't know if I'm ready to leave my school district. I went to HR and I said, I know you're not giving any leaves this year. I know you need to cut positions, but is there any chance you just give me a leave? A teacher can have my, you know, my, I was in a district leadership position, but I knew that maybe they could actually make that a teacher position um, or keep someone else on the payroll instead of me. And they said, yes. And that was, it was just enough of a security blanket to know that I could go back the next year that I was like, okay, I'm going to go try this. And then there were a lot of things that I had to learn. And I will just say that I was truly blessed that I, I mean, I'll throw out Kathleen Richardson was one of the people I worked with at Apple, Ray Niles, um, Cindy Everest. There were all these people who kind of showed me the ropes of like, oh yeah, you're going to be on a plane a lot and you're going to have to figure out travel and you're going to have to, there's all these like tricks of the trade that I was really blessed. And this happens in any role, whether, you know, we're in a classroom, in a, in a, you know, administrative position, whatever our role is, there are people around us to help if we are brave enough to ask. And I think most people are willing to help. So I think I just had to be better about asking for help. That was definitely something I learned to do more as I transitioned out of um, from classroom to a teacher leader role into my district leadership role and then out into what I'm doing now. I think that's a really important point. And it's I, I like that you connected it to the other roles, too, because I think often as leaders, you know, we, we get this belief in our head that, you know, when we transition into a new role, we just we have to be perfect on day one and then maybe we just keep getting better. But, you know, being willing to ask for help uh, when when you are transitioning into a new role or, or learning something new. Um, I mean, certainly, you know, stepping, you know, from from your district leadership position, you know, into, you know, working as a consultant for Apple. I, I can't even begin to think of the questions that you would have had around, you know, what, what do I do here? What do I do there? Uh, in addition to all the travel stuff, right? Yeah. And it, it probably, I don't know, maybe it helped in some ways. I was also pregnant with my first child then, which is like maybe not the most ideal time to take on a lot of travel, especially for me. I was pretty nauseous most of my pregnancies, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I really just learned and I had learned this before, but it was really reinforced. Like you, you need to be humble and ask for help. I have a lot of learning to do in a lot of ways on a lot of things. <laughs> I love that. It's, it's it's just so true and it's just so powerful. So let's 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 transition just a little bit and let's talk a little bit about evolving with gratitude. And we'll get to the book in a minute, but just yeah. both of your books, the evolving learner or evolving learner, and then of course evolving with gratitude. Both talk about evolving. You just talked about, you know, hey, you know, I always have a lot to learn. Um, where, where, and why did you latch onto the word evolve? Well, so I have to actually give credit to a friend. Years ago, um, I was prepping for a keynote at Alan November's conference, and I was talking to a friend, not an educator. She's an amazing creative. And I said, so here's my concept. I want to talk about how I have like these channels of learning and I'm always learning from kids and I'm always learning from my peers and I'm always learning from the world. And I just like briefly explained it to her and she's like, oh, so you're an evolving learner. And I'm like, oh, I love that. And I was like, <laughs> I loved, I, there was so much I, I just gravitated to with the word evolving that it's, it's not, it's not like, overly quick. It's like intentional. It's keeping the best parts. It's continuous. And so there were so many things I just loved about that word. I just have used it 
as often as I can. <laughs> and that's why it's in the title of both of the, the, the books, you know, Evolving Learner that I wrote with Christy Andre and Lauren Steinman, and then Evolving with Gratitude. And so I'm, I'm constantly evolving. It's about continuous improvement in every aspect of my life as an educator, as a parent, as a spouse, everything. I can get better every single day. As a former high school science teacher, I will tell you, using the you, choosing the word evolve to me, I think it's just awesome. Um, it's uh, there's just so many powerful pieces that come with with that word. So so let's 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 go into some of some of that evolution and let's start. I actually want to start with evolving learner and kind of the the takes that you had on professional development, um, personalized professional development. Um, I, I will tell you, pre pandemic as a superintendent. My uh, my academic team, that is absolutely a direction that we had started to move into and, and had so much success and so much um, gratitude, if you will, from our staff of allowing, you know, allowing them to learn what they needed to learn. And honestly, I felt like we were just modeling what we wanted them to do. We, we were going to meet them as learners where they were, just like we wanted them to do with kids. So maybe talk a little bit about... Um, what you've seen in in that space around personalized PD, I, I think we, we've probably seen in, in some places where maybe that's kind of gone backwards a little bit um, just as a result of, of the pandemic. But I don't want to put any words in your mouth. Tell me tell me what you're seeing with professional development across the country at, the, at, at an international level. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll start off by saying I think everyone always has the best of intentions with professional learning. However, I think that there are some some pretty common mistakes and they're usually made um, because of lack of time, lack of money. And honestly, I think it's really more lack of time than money is what I've, I've really noticed. It's either doing things that we've always done or not just taking a beat and thinking about, okay, well, how could we actually meet teachers where they are and offer some choice, some voice and choice, so they get a say in how they need to improve their practice. I mean, I think we've all sat through that, like, hey, everyone, meet in the multi-purpose room, all hundred of you teaching all different subjects and grade levels, and like, this person's going to talk to you about this. And you're like, okay, um, I've written a book on that. Or I've, I've blogged about this for years, or I actually go speak about this somewhere else, or I'm the lead in my team for this topic. Why didn't you tap into me at all, right? And so yeah. I think it's it's just unfortunate. But and, and I will agree that I think I saw a little bit of, you know, in the, in the early stages of the pandemic, some districts, some schools were a little more poised to pivot and they were already using a lot of digital tools and it wasn't like a huge leap. Others had not been using any tools and this was whiplash and there was a lot of, and then with the best of intentions again, <laughs> saying, okay, well, you need to use all of these tools and you will attend all of these PD sessions and not really giving a lot of choice. Um, allowing people to say, hey, like, look, I actually could teach a class on Google Classroom. Don't make me go to Google Classroom training. Let me teach it to someone else or let me collaborate during that time. Or, hey, I really actually need to know about this. So what we know from, you know, Christy and Lauren and I, we did a ton of research for that book. We know that that high quality professional learning has to be ongoing and job embedded. 
So when we just gather for one time and then there's no like anything before, anything ongoing after, nothing to, you know, close that loop of inquiry or anything like that, that's that's pretty rough. And so what we talk about in the book are all the ways that you can continuously improve. We talk about how you can use um, your, I mean, you're, you're with kids all the time. They're a great source of learning. You can do that through formative assessment. You can do that through choosing more practices that are learner-centered, learner-driven, so that you can actually be, you know, sh more shoulder to shoulder. Um, we talk about learning with, you know, with peers and PLCs, ongoing, job embedded, not, you know, one time, one size fits all kind of stuff. And then, of course, how you can learn with the world. And, you know, you and I are both on social media. That's to learn and share. That's what we do all the time. And so there's just so many more opportunities for learning. And we really can, um, we like to talk about a cycle of inquiry, focus, learn, refine, reflect. There's a collective cycle of inquiry where everyone, like this is our mission this year, we're focused on this. Um, and there's you know probably multiple goals within there. Um, but then you as a team have maybe a goal that you're focused on, maybe individuals within that team have their own focus that they're really kind of, honing in on. So there's a lot of different ways to do it. So I'm curious, um, when working with, when working with other schools and working with, with districts in that particular space, um, I've seen it from, from the leadership space, obviously, you know, coaching and, and, uh, supporting leaders. Occasionally I will run into with a group of leaders, maybe one or two who really don't want to evolve, who don't want to take that step or, you know, I don't want to say they don't want to improve, but you know what I mean? I would yeah. imagine you've run into one or two of those. So for our listeners who maybe are leading a school and maybe run into that resistance sometimes too, what, what might be a tip or two you throw their direction to help get everybody moving along? Yeah. So this was, a, you know, this was something that came up in the book because as we're writing it and that particular book I published with Corwin and Learning Forward and, you know, Christy and Lauren and I are like, okay, how do we try and find the balance where we're talking about like, okay, well, this is the stuff that would need to happen site-wide, like where we would need administrators. Um, but this is actually the stuff we control ourselves. Right. And so I know this is one of your, you know, this is, you talk about this, right? Like, focus yep. on what we can control and let go of what we can't. So right. depending on your role, like I still think everyone can make change happen school-wide, no matter what your role is. And so I'm going to do the things that I can control. I'm going to focus on me. I'm going to help the, the team members with me. You know, everyone who's willing to go with me, I am taking them with me. And I'm going to hope that others join on that, on that journey. Maybe they have their own journey to go on, but it's really kind of, I, I just want to go back to what you always say, you know, focus on what you can control. I think that's an important tip. And so I can still do a lot for myself and for those around me without getting passed through, uh, getting it passed through some higher up. So I think we have a yeah, lot of control. I like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, you, and you're right. I mean, um, if we don't focus on the things we can control and let go of what we can't, I mean, we just, just go crazy. I mean, I, yeah. All you have to do is turn on the TV and you can see people who are just so focused on things they can't control and just stop yeah. it. Walk away from it. I, I won't chase yeah. that any further. I could, yeah. but I'm not going to. Um, right. And then when you, and when, and when, yeah. you, when it's working, sorry, really quickly, but when it's working and other people see it, 
then they're more likely to join. And I'm not saying everyone will, but if I can focus on positive change and what's going to work in my classroom, in my school, in my district, I hope other people see it and they take and adapt in a way that works for them. And that is a huge step in building positive culture. That right there is a huge step in building positive culture. It's not just always about recognizing or rewarding and reinforcing. Those are important. But man, when you just when you just stick to man, I can do this, and and I'm going to see positive change, and people are going to start to jump on board. That's man. That's and that's staff driving the culture. That doesn't have to be the leader of the school. I love that so much. Um, yeah. Man, we we could we could have a lot of fun with that conversation. But. I really, really want to talk about your new book. That's what I really want to talk about today. Um, already so much great stuff, but um, Evolving with Gratitude, um, just such an awesome, awesome book. I mean, even just, I know folks, you can't see it, so so go look it up, please, and then when you're there, buy it. But just looking at this book, it is so cool. It looks like a, you know, a, a, vertical, a vertical flip spiral notebook. I mean, multiple times I've looked at it and like tried to pick that part up and not the whole book. Um, from, from just the look of the book to what's in the book, it's just, it is really, really super cool. Um, uh, I know uh, Impress is the one who did it. They do fantastic work. Um, but uh, the book itself, the concept of gratitude with kids, peers, and the world um, talk us through that a little bit. Where, where in your research or where in your thinking did that start to, to be the areas you wanted to focus on? Yeah. So that framework of with kids, with peers, with the world, that's just, that's my lens. I'm always thinking about those three things. And where I came to gratitude was, I mean, this is kind of almost the segue from what we were talking about earlier with evolving learner. So evolving learner launched on March 13th of 2020. And that was not a great day to launch a book. And uh, with all the like appreciation for that, there were much bigger, more tragic things happening in the world. Um, it was still really hard. Like this is something, you know, this you put everything yeah. into a book and to have that be the release date was really, really heartbreaking um, for us. And so, but you know, we're like, hey, this this book is actually really good for right now, but maybe people aren't ready to read books right now. And we're just going to kind of like, we're just going to, we're going to put it out there. Kind of going back to earlier, we can't control everything. We're just going to, this book is good. We're going to keep talking about this book. But, but I was really struggling personally and professionally. And I know a lot of people were then. And so kind of where there's a couple things that really led me to lean into gratitude. Uh, So one was I came across Laura Kelly Finucci's poem, um, When This Is Over. And that that came out on March 16th. So just a few days after the pandemic, I won't do the poem justice, but she does this really beautiful job of, of talking about like, you know, when when this is over, a handshake with a stranger, full shelves in the store, conversations with neighbors, like all these things that we were hurting, we weren't getting to do. Um, like, so not to ignore the tragedy, but to think back and appreciate what we had, look forward to what it will be, and to not take it for granted anymore. So that really helped me shift my mindset to gratitude. I started giving people gratitude jars. And I kind of thought it was, honestly, I thought it was like, well, this is a cute gift. I mean, I'm really benefiting from a gratitude jar with my family, but like, this is like, Maybe I like styled it really cute. (laughs) Maybe they'll put it in their house somewhere and they'll think it's a cute gift. It was amazing. My friends were coming back to me and they're like, Lainey, it's been really hard. This gratitude jar is actually making a big difference in my family. And I was like, really? 
that's amazing. Like, I, I, I hoped that was obviously the hope. I wasn't just thinking they would think it was cute, but I thought at least I'll think it's cute. But to have them come back and say this actually made a difference was really, really amazing. And then George Kuros um, invited me to write one of the chapters for Because of a Teacher. I got to write about an administrator, um, Monique, who really set me on a leadership journey. It was this just beautiful public display of, of gratitude that was just joyful to write. I was so, I loved it so much. I ended up writing an art, article for Edutopia on gratitude. And, you know, I've written quite a few articles for Edutopia, but this was one where people were DMing me or commenting and being like, this is a big deal. And it was a different kind of feedback than I'd gotten from other articles where people were giving me positive feedback. But this was one that's like, no, this is life-changing. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of cool. Like, I just felt like the universe kept sending me messages that this is a bigger deal than your understanding, Lainey. You need to look at this further. And so I don't write books because I have the answers. I write books because I want answers. And so I went to George and Paige at Impress. Um, you know, Dave Burgess, Shelly Burgess, that's part of the, you know, that's the four of them. That's Impress. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm like, I have this idea for a book. And George goes, that's great. You have to tie it to learning. And I was like, what? what? I, I'm writing a book. You know, it's a school <laughs> culture book. Of course. I mean, of course it impacts learning. But he's like, no, straight line to learning. And I was like, yeah, got it. <laughs> and didn't know if I could actually do it. And then I did it. Yeah. I found it. So that was pretty fun, too. Yeah, it's well, it's fantastic. And it's interesting. Um, one of one of the pieces that really stood out to me, I, I told you before we hit record, I've got like two or three pages of notes from from going through the book. But one of the ones that really, really jumped out at me was exactly what you talked about. Um, you, you have the poem in the book. Uh, but right before the poem, I think it's right before maybe it's right after but you talk about how you really started savoring moments of joy during the pandemic. Um, it was one of my favorite parts. I'm glad that you went there. So, so here's what we're going to do instead. So it was an area I wanted to hit, but instead I am going to just randomly open this book to whatever page and whatever's there. Let's talk about that. Let's, let's see Love what it. it is. It could be one of like the 20 people who wrote for, for the book, which man, you've got it loaded with a rock stars too. I absolutely loved everything that's in this thing. So here we go. Just random I stacked page. the deck. I stacked the deck. So Oh my we gosh, went to, yeah, we, and actually I had this one in my notes too. So equifinality, go. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, so full credit to Todd Rose on this one. He is the first person I heard use this word and I don't hear it used a lot. It should be in high rotation. I love this word so much. So equifinality is basically a $5 word for we, you know, we can have the same ending, but get there in different ways. That's my paraphrasing of it. So I think this is so true in education. We, I think that we all want a recipe. We want like, do this, do this, do this. But don't we really just at the end want something that tastes good? You know, so we don't have to follow the exact same recipe. We can do different things and still get good results. And one of the things that I wanted so much is to make the point that there is no one way to become a grateful person. There's no one way to use gratitude in classrooms or with peers or in the world. And so that's why I'm glad you pointed out there are 18 stories with 20 contributors. So a couple, we have a couple pairs in there. And I really wanted them to share how different 
they are with experiencing and expressing gratitude. So um, I, I personally, and I don't know, Darren, I'd love to hear your thoughts on like maybe your experiences with gratitude, but I think a lot of people here practice gratitude and they think that means a gratitude journal. And yes, mm -hmm. that is the most popular, most well-studied, well-known practice for gratitude, but it's not the only one. There's actually a ton of different practices and I wanted those to come out in the book and I'm just so happy, you know, like you said, a third of the book is the stories from the contributors and they're mm -hmm. woven throughout. And so it was, it was meant to be like, let me share a little bit of the research and the strategies and then, okay, go guys, tell them some stories. <laughs> okay. Let me yeah. tell you a little bit more research and strategies. Okay, guys, tell them some more stories. And so that was, that was kind of the, the approach. Yeah. Well, I loved how um, in in the chapter that talks about um, uh, gratitude with kids, how you had back to back to back. I, I, I hope I'm hitting the right chapter. I'm almost positive I am. But you had back to back to back stories, one from elementary, one from middle and one from high. And it was interesting because, you know, you've got teachers from those different levels and there were a lot of commonalities in their stories, even though, I mean, you know, we're talking about an elementary kid, middle school kids or, or, or high school kids. Um, I just found that, that again, there was this consistent fabric throughout all of the stories that, you know, just, just went right to your heart. And, you know, when you, when you think about gratitude, when you think about looping this all the way back to when we first started in your origin story, getting connected to kids that that was just that fabric that stayed in there was, you know, gratitude for us, for all of us just continues to go back to why we do what we do and what's in our heart. That would that to me, that was like a strong message that I pulled um, as I went through this book. I love that. And it was you can't I could not have I, I'm going to say there was some planning and some luck. <laughs> So when I realized yeah. that I could, you know, because I, I basically went to the contributors and I'm like, okay, we're, we're going to talk about gratitude with kids, peers, and the world. What, what resonates most strongly with you? There were a couple people like Steph Rothstein. I'm like, Steph, you're going to write about the world because I see you do this. And I really think other people need to hear about how you yeah. do this. And she's like, that's cool. I'm good with that. I'm like, thank you. Um, and yeah. then there were other people who I was like, well, what do you want? And it just so happened so it's actually Naomi talks about preschool. She's talking about something totally different. She talks mm -hmm. about a gratitude wall. A gratitude, they call it a yeah. gratitude garden. Sean Gaylord talks as a principal with kids, which I thought was so cool because it's like a lot of times the leaders were gravitating towards the peer section. But he went straight for like, no, this is how we do. This is how a gratitude jar is happening and how I'm making it a whole school thing. Amazing. Che and Pav. I'm sorry. I'm going to go on for a minute because these are the contributors are like, yeah. I'm so proud of this. Che and Pav teach middle school and the the nuance that they capture in what is so unique about that particular stage of adolescence. They just beautifully captured that. I love the metaphor of smokescreen. Um, mm -hmm. And then Stacey Roshan for high school. I mean, I just yeah, I stacked the deck. I, I hit the home. Yeah, run you really there. did. <laughs> You did. You have an absolute all-star lineup for for everything all the way throughout uh, throughout that. So, so I just have to ask. I'm going to really put you on the spot here. And um, don't if, you dare ask me what my could, favorite story is. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't ask okay. the favorite story. But I am going to go. I am going to go towards a strategy here, and not necessarily okay. say your favorite, but maybe you know uh, somebody's getting ready to start their year. They're a school leader. Um, 
one place they should go in this book. What's the one place if if I'm if I'm a school leader, I got I got 10 minutes. I got to look at something that'll, that'll help me wrap my brain around this. They're going to go in. They're going to start reading. They're going to read the whole thing anyway. But but just You're so kind. one thing, one strategy. So they probably want to go to the peers section because that's really going to have the most of the administrators in it. And they do a beautiful job. You know, you've got Dwight Carter in there. You've got Lauren. I don't even want to start naming them because I, I, I it'll be mm-hmm. too long. But there's like a whole group that just does this beautiful job. But can I just tell you, it's not even one of the vignettes. Just one of the things that I thought was so simple and so beautiful. I had to add it into the peers section. It was a principal's practice. She has set the culture up for this. She know her teachers know when she walks into a classroom, it's non-evaluative. I'm just doing a quick walkthrough. She takes a pen and a post-it note pad. And when she sees something really cool that she's like, I love this, she writes it on the post-it note and she puts it on the teacher's desk or on the board. Now the teachers know this is going to be a good thing. So they're not like freaking out. Like I can't even concentrate on teaching right now because I'm so worried about what's on that post-it. They know it's going to be a good thing. So they might be a little distracted because they're excited about it. Exactly. Yeah. I can't wait to see it. (laughs) I can't wait to see what she liked. But one of the coolest thing this principal is telling me about this, um, and, and this principal chose not to have their name in the book, but, uh, says, you know what? I started doing it for kids. And so I would walk through a classroom and I wouldn't just leave a poster for the teacher. I would leave it on the kids' desks. She's like, and then the kids would take it home and their parents would tell me that they would put it on the refrigerator and it just like made their day. And I just loved that. It was this, it's such a simple practice. Keep a post-it notepad and a pen with you. And when you're walking the campus, what can you acknowledge? What can you do to make people, you know, feel seen, heard, known, and valued? That one, I'm glad you went to that one because that that was something that really resonated with me um, as a as a school leader and as a district leader. That in a way was a practice that I did, but for me, it was just it was handwritten notes for everything, and very similar to what you're saying. Um, in fact, I can show you because you have that you can see the video. As a second year teacher, and this was a very long time ago, uh, 25, 26 years ago, um, my principal, and I had several, but she will always to me be my principal. Her name's Betsy. She did handwritten notes to start the school year and she hid them in our classrooms. And no. I have this wooden, yeah, I have this wooden box here on my desk. My grandfather made this for me when I was a little kid. It's a pencil box and it sat on my desk in my classroom. And I opened my pencil box a few days into the school year. And here is this handwritten note from my principal. It's 26, 27 years old now. It's gone through multiple pieces of tape, but it is still here because of that practice. Um, and, and Betsy and I've talked about this many times. I was I was I got to go see her in uh, in April this year and we talked about the note and I started doing the same thing with my staff. And, you know, like if we did. I don't know, whatever, coffee tumblers for, you know, teacher appreciation or whatever. I would go in the night before and write a handwritten note for everyone, yeah. whether it was a teacher, a custodian, a, a bus driver, and put it in their workstation. And I would find these things, like you just said, you know, with the parent, they'll they'll take them home, put it on the fridge. I would find these things stuck on filing cabinets. You know, they probably lost the coffee tumbler a long time ago, you know, or sent it to school with their kid and it never came home, but they still have the notes. And when we think about... We think about that. I mean, every time I, I got goosebumps pulling this thing out to show you just a couple minutes ago. You know, I got goosebumps 
goosebumps. I'm like all the fields yeah. over here. I'm about to be a puddle. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. amazing. 26, 27 years later and, um, or whatever it is. Yeah, it's been a long time, like I said. But uh, those I, types I think of you things, and I can both just yeah. not, we don't need to use the numbers anymore. Yeah. But yes. We'll just say it was a while ago. Yeah. A while ago. Um, a while ago, yeah. Um, it was at least three tapes uh, to hold that thing in. Um, that's how long ago. <laughs> But, but those types of things. So anyway, when I saw that one in the book, that one really resonated with me. It just hit me right in the heartstrings. So I just, I love that one. So folks, you've got to, you've got to make sure you grab a copy of this book. It is absolutely fantastic, especially, you know, we're, we're recording this in July, probably it's July when, when this one makes it out live and you're recharging and you're getting ready to go back and start your school year. This book is loaded with ideas and loaded with strategies that, that you can take and be actionable with to impact your kids, impact your peers, and impact the world. I absolutely love this book, Lainey, and thank you for writing it. I think it's absolutely fantastic. It's, I, I'm just going to say it's a dream come true that when you write a book just because you feel like you want it out in the world and then for it to resonate with other people. I had a superintendent reach out to me this morning, uh, and she's like, hey, I needed this. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. And and I, I struggle with indebtedness, but I take that a little easier because it wasn't just me. There was all these contributors that I know are a part of it. And I get to share that with them and say, thank you. Look what we've done. And she's like, I'm buying it for all of my leadership team. And then she's like, no, wait, I'm buying it for all of my staff. And I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> like I, yeah, that's I cool. <laughs> do hope that it, I do hope that, you know, it, the goal of the book is to, nurture relationships, improve well-being, and activate learning. That's that's what we're hoping to do. And I think I think we I think we did it. I think people are really happy with it. And I, I hope people will check it out. And I'm so grateful to you for giving me this chance to talk about it. And you're you're very kind and and I and I'm yeah, so glad I got one of your practices that you liked out of you because I wasn't gonna go. I didn't want that to not happen. So Hey, there you go. Now you have one. Okay, so final question. Ask it of everybody on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Um, right now, Lainey, what what are you doing to lean into leadership? You know, I just, it's that continuous improvement. And I'm just, I, I'm going to see something I've done over the last year and a half that I'm still doing is I'm I'm doing these partnerships for writing, which I haven't, I had never done. And I give full credit to Katie Novak. She's in the book. When I met her a couple years ago, a little over, um, one of the first things she said is like, hey, we should write together. And I'm like, oh, do people do that? Um, and so it was like, I, I love writing. I've become a huge fan of writing. It's become a real passion of mine. This opportunity to write with other people has been a real joy and something that I feel like is helping me stretch my thinking. Um, so that's part of my leadership journey is I need to stretch my own thinking. And so I can, otherwise I kind of get into my own little, you know, filter bubble and this is what's going on in Lainey's world. So how can I like stretch myself out of that? And so that's what I've been doing. going to keep doing that for a while. And then there will of course be other things, but just so, so excited to collaborate and learn from others. Keep going with that. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. I love that. So how can folks connect with you if they if they want to reach out and have a conversation, shoot you a DM, email you, talk to you about the book, anything? How do they get in touch with you? Yes, and I hope they do. I'm, I'm Lainey Rowell across the web. That's a little tough because it's hard to spell. A-L-A-I-N-I-E. Rowell like Powell. 
So I'm at Laney Rowell on Insta and Twitter. Those are the two places I spend the most amount of time. I'm LaneyRowell.com, LaneyRowell at Gmail. <laughs> you get the idea. Um, but I really will. Um, I will absolutely connect with anyone who wants to chat. If I if I don't respond somehow, that message shouldn't make it to me. Please, please try again because I definitely want to talk to you. Oh, that's 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 incredible. Thanks, Lainey, so much for this conversation. This has just been so much fun. Um, definitely just dropping ideas and leadership nuggets all over the place. So thank you so much for spending some time with us on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Thanks for having me. Do you remember, for those of you who are regular listeners to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, when early in the podcast I said I was going to do a lot of solo episodes and then occasionally have a guest, obviously that's become quite the opposite. And I feel like I have to explain this. Um, I actually had a conversation with one of our regular listeners uh, in person uh, last week at the Jocelyn's Renaissance Conference. And what he shared with me was just how valuable these conversations are with each of these guests. And and I got to be honest with you, I feel the same way. I feel like I grow, I learn, I get better every time I have one of these conversations. And I, I want to go right to something that Lainey said that I think connects really well to that. She said, I write books not because I have the answers, but because I want to find the answers. And to be honest with you, I think that's why I, why I have this podcast. This is an opportunity for me to learn from some of the absolute best leaders in the world. And I just happen to get to share that with all of you. And I hope that you're learning um, even just partially as much uh, as I feel like I am learning as I go through this process. Um, when I have the opportunity to talk with people like Lainey and um, – uh, just thinking about some of our recent guests, uh, Sheriff Brett Schrotland, um, the uh, the great conversation with Randy Russell, um, just on and on and on. I could, I could list all 30 of them, to be honest with you. But each of those individual conversations for me, I always come away with five or six different things that just make me reflect and make me think a little differently. So I hope that the podcast is doing the same thing uh, for you. Um, another thing that I wanted to hit with uh, with Lainey's interview. I absolutely love this so very much. Um, and, and it was just pure happenstance. Uh, I told her in advance that I was going to just randomly open the book to a page and whatever we hit, that's what we were going to talk about. And equifinality, uh, you probably heard Lainey and I got a pretty good laugh that that was the page I opened to. That was one of the things that I just had, you know, I had taken notes specifically about that. It was a word that really stood out to me. And I think that it's an interesting leadership nugget for all of us to take away. I mean, again, in her words, equifinality essentially means that we can have the same outcome or the same ending, but we're just going to get there in our own way or in a different way. We really need to keep that one at the forefront of our minds as we launch into a new school year and we're thinking about different learning outcomes. You know, whether that's learning outcomes from our teachers in professional learning or the learning outcomes that we see in our classrooms that our teachers are driving. You know, we don't all have to get there the same way. I mean, it's, it's really about the destination. It's not about how, how we get there. Um, one of the few places where it's more about the destination than it is about, about the journey. Um, allow ourselves, allow our students, allow our teachers to have that, that uh, autonomy, if you will, to find their own path of learning. And when they do, we're going to find incredible outcomes that, that come from that. So I really appreciated that from Lainey. I thought it was super powerful. Um, probably got a little bit wordy on that one. I apologize, but I'm super passionate about that one and something that really, really hit home. And now it's time for a pep talk. When you read Evolving with Gratitude, you're going to find 
a really powerful poem, and Lainey talked about it uh, during the interview. In today's pep talk, I really want to hit specifically gratitude and those moments of joy. You heard Lainey talk about during the pandemic how she struggled to find those moments of joy and then became very intentional about that. That's the challenge I want to give you going forward this week. And to be honest with you, it's a challenge I'm going to take on for myself. We have to be super intentional about finding those moments of joy. They're out there. I mean, it's it's just like when, when I've given you the challenge of what is it that you're looking for and, you know, when you look for red cars, you know, you're going to find a lot of red cars. The same thing is true about joy. Look for those moments of joy. They're there. We need to slow down. We need to enjoy them. We need to practice gratitude. And, and that could be a public display of gratitude, or it could just be something, you know, that's very private, very done uh, just on our own. Maybe that's through gratitude journaling. Maybe that's just, you know, some meditation or some just pausing to think. In this week's blog post, um, I wrote an open letter to principals, and that was one of the things I talked about was you got to take care of yourself, and you've got to be willing to enjoy the moment, laugh, cry, you know, be human. That's what it's all about. We're in the people business, folks. Don't forget that. That's your pep talk for this week. Thank you so much for joining me on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you, and I hope you have a road to awesome week. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.